Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Indeed rolls on. It is... Uh, a lot of Texas-Washington talk. Later from Kalen DeBoer coming up, head coach of the Washington Huskies, the AP Coach of the Year, 13-0. Not easy to do. 13-0 season for the Huskies, Pac-12 champions, and um, just, what, 11-2 in year one for Kalen DeBoer. So what a start to his Washington tenure. The guy can win, and uh, that's the long ones we'll have to deal with. Steve Sarkeesian, the Big 12's Coach of the Year, according to the AP. But uh, and has had a, had a heck of a run with his Longhorns. So what a matchup it is on Monday night. We were just talking in the break uh, behind the scenes about uh, plans in New Orleans when we get there, Rod. Ty's going, I'm going, part of the Horn crew. You were going to go, but you've got a baby at home. Got so. a baby. Got a baby that changes the, work. the abilities. And uh, you got to work. Uh, well, I'll be working there. We'll be doing live shows on Monday and Tuesday morning from NOLA and uh, bring you live coverage. But uh, I'm going to get there on Saturday. And uh, Ty was asking what I was going to do on Saturday. Uh, wife's going, and uh, my son Nolan and a friend of his, so we'll have a car load. But uh, we already got a plan to go over to maybe the, to either the Mannings or the Harrah's to watch the Cowboys game. Because, mm. you know, there is no Monday Night Football game this week in Week 16, Rob. There is no Monday Night Football game. Okay. That's the Longhorns. Longhorns are Monday Night Football playing the Sugar Bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. That's uh, New Prime Year's time, Day. baby. So they're moving the – not moving. They're, they, I guess you could consider the Saturday Night game, Cowboys v. Lions. It's kind of a Monday Night game. Respect the playoff. They respect the playoff. The NFL is going to respect the playoff. Yeah. Uh, Give them some love. Usually yeah. the NFL wants to boss hog every part of the sports calendar. We talked about that, how – you know, the NFL looks at the sports calendar like a Monopoly board. They're always trying to buy up more property. Which it took, took Christmas from the NBA, and the NBA is like, what do we ever do to you? Well, nothing. We just want to monopolize everything. They're going to give college football Monday night. Good for them. They've taken over Saturday, too, when college fo- football is done. They just take. They just start moving into Saturday. Uh, each of <laughs> Random the, Saturday To your games. point, each of the three Monday NFL games, noon, 3.30, and the night game mm-hmm. uh, on Monday, which, of course, was Ravens. Niners average nearly 30 million viewers. There you go. Each of the five NBA games average nearly 3 million viewers. <laughs> yeah, they know. They're like, now nah, we're going to steal. We're going to steal a little but bit. But on market Monday, stuff. it is the national semifinals, right? The yeah. Rose Bowl, oh, middle of the afternoon with It'll Alabama and Michigan. Huge, two huge brands, two huge names, and Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, all that's gone on with Michigan this year. What a matchup that is. And, of oh, course, yeah. and- uh, the sexy matchup of Washington and Texas on uh, Sugar Bowl on New Year's Eve night. Am I wrong, no. or was a few years ago that, like the the narrative that the NBA was overtaking the NFL in viewership or popularity? There was like with the whole concussion thing. I feel like that they. I don't know if that was the NBA well, just the, pushing there their were own those, thing, There were but. those who who were claiming the NFL was going to you know evaporate because of the you know, the Star Spangled Banner flap and the national anthem stuff and all that. It was an existential crisis for them. There was. They it had was. to deal with some issues, and I do. I mean, I, what did Mark Cuban had you know talked about how you know. You, you get too high, the pigs get slaughtered or something mm-hmm. like that yep. uh, in business. But at the same time, it's Mark Cuban who's selling his team <laughs> and out of the NBA now. Now, he's still running the team somehow, yeah. but he sold his team. Uh, but, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, the NFL is a mo- – look, I mean, it's a Goliath, but at the same time, what's the second most popular sport by revenue and ratings in North America? It's college football. I mean, it's yeah. one and two. But it's not close. 
It's not close. Yeah, but it's it, but not, it, it's but but close. the end of the, the 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 brand of college football. If you look at its TV ratings and the revenue it generates and ticket sales and things of that nature, it's but, the second most popular sport in this country. But college football is uh, it's about to hit a boom. There's a there's a boom happening in college football, and we know this because of all the realignment, and that's why all of the the broadcasters, all these television networks, they are right now gearing up or at least positioning themselves for this college football boom that's about to take place. And it's mostly because the entertainment ecosystem has changed so drastically, and sports now is top three um, in terms of e- event watching, things that people want to watch live. They don't want to watch it DVR. They don't want to watch it recorded. They have to watch it live. And these broadcast networks, they want live eyeballs, and sports can guarantee you live eyeballs. That news uh, I think disaster porn's in that category, like uh, e- election coverage, stuff sure. like election that. election night. Yeah, well, yeah. and look, I mean. It's live eyeballs. Well, it's interesting because if you, if you dive into the metrics of Major League Baseball, which is my, one of my – I'm a baseball guy, the, the, the industry's healthy. I mean, the ratings are good. You know, stadiums yeah. are full. I mean, it's yeah. not perfect. I mean, they've yeah. got serious salary, you know, their, their markets that aren't trying to compete and they're, you know, the, the haves and have-nots. But the, the industry is, as a whole is healthy. Yeah. NBA as an industry is pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. But it just can't compete. You just have to eliminate football. I mean, you, from yeah. the conversation, yeah. they compete with one another. Don't compare yourself. They to compete that. to be second or third or fourth, right? Um, but that's where college football is. I, I mean, if you look at the revenues, and this is why people who still argue about the NIL and players making money on this thing, come on, it's the second most revenue generating sport in our country. It's doing really well. It's it's <laughs> not it's not close. I mean, uh, the the reports are Michigan's offered Jim Harbaugh a, a twelve million dollar a year contract. Double-digit years, $12 million a year to stay at Michigan and not go off to the NFL. He might be underpaid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And you're right. There's about to be a bigger boom because there's a 12-team playoff coming next year and the mm-hmm. conference realignment or the consolidation of the conferences yeah. to where it's going to be the, the top 70 teams each year in the four big conferences. Sexier matchups. Bigger matchups. Yep. Texas and Oklahoma. I don't know if you saw the hype video, Rod, the SEC put out about Texas and, and uh, Oklahoma joining the SEC officially. That's out there now. So, yes, I mean, it's uh, USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon joining the Big Ten. I mean, you can, as a fan, or, you know, you can be against all that. But, man, you, you can't argue as a business side it's going to be a boon for the product There's and no for pass. the interest in the product. Uh, but, well, you know, that's where we are. Uh, and that's why there will be no Monday Night Football game. They're going to let the uh, four-team playoff stand alone on New Year's Day, and the Cowboys will play on Saturday night and get a lot of eyeballs. A lot of eyeballs. When they play Dan Campbell, the former Cowboy, hey. and the Detroit Lions. Big game, baby. Big, oh, man, it's one of the big – got to say, when was the last time the Lions had a game that big? And it is a huge game for the Lions. because I mean, you're they, talking about one of the biggest games in the Lions in history. Probably the, the last time the Lions played the Cowboys in the playoffs was Matt Stafford. Yeah, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. No, game. yeah, I'm yeah, serious. Yeah, I agree with that. that. Like, that's, this, that's probably true. This is a big game. Lions, the Lions fandom, they're talking about this game a lot. I've been, well, the Cowboys are coming in off a two-game losing streak into that game and uh, kind of limping in, kind of feeling down a little bit. And, uh, you know, here come the Lions who just won their conference for the first time in 30 years, Rod. Last time they won the conference was 1993. Unbelievable. Now, I don't, I, I don't expect you all to know this off the top of your head, but because I, I don't. But when's when's the last time the Cowboys lost three games in a row that oh, they had their starting I would expect the Cowboys to win this game at home, but at the same time, the Lions have a lot to play for. The Lions are one of three teams at 11-4 and four in the uh, in the NFC right now. Yeah. The, the Niners, the Lions were the big winner of the weekend in the NFC. The, the you know, the, the, the Lions won and clinched their division. The Niners lost, which helped them a lot. Now, the Eagles yeah. won and survived the Giants. But at the same time, the Cowboys took a loss, uh, and so they're right there 
for maybe the one seed. Can you imagine? Now they got to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Niners play the uh, Cardinals this weekend, while the Eagles play the the uh, no Eagles yeah. play the Cardinals. Uh, who do the Niners play this weekend? It's somebody that they're going to beat. <laughs> oh, especially I think they might play the Rams, right? I know one of these oh, last two games. The Rams. One of these last two the games Rams. for them is against the Rams. It is so. their last game, I think, is the Rams. I believe that that's true. Uh, that's but I will tell game. you, the Niners play. It's a big game. Let me give you the Niners real quick. Eagles, Eagles will host Arizona, okay? Uh, which that's a game they should win with Jalen Hurts, and uh, they're at eleven and four. Lions play in Dallas. And San Francisco plays Washington in Washington. Did y'all so watch that Eagles game, game this week? Um, that was kind of the I worst did. game of the day. I did. Jalen Hurts is. I mean, I, I know not I'm a hater. hater. He might not be healthy, but he does not. He's not playing well at all. No, he's not. I think that's that's uh, his turnovers have been a big problem for the Eagles this year, oh, yeah. without a doubt. All right, can we get to the quick headlines, and then we'll hear from Kalen DeBoer, the Washington coach, upon landing in New Orleans with his team. Headlines. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the headlines. Be listening to about a new location of Top Gun Rentals that's coming online. Excited to tell you about that in the new year. Uh, we'll start with the college football. Longhorns, of course, as we said, on the ground in New Orleans. Landed yesterday. Huge send-off here in town as the Longhorns uh, uh, got a, a, a hero's send-off when they left the campus yesterday. Now they're in New Orleans. The game prep practices begin today for the Longhorns this afternoon in New Orleans. Starting to drill down four days out to that big game with Washington. Last night there were four bowl games, including a pair of wins for the Big 12. Down in Houston last night, Oklahoma State uh, took down A&M, Texas A&M, 31-23 in the Texas Bowl. Alan Bowman had a huge night. Their quarterback, 404 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Ollie Gordon ran for 118 in a score against the shorthanded Aggies. Aggies dressed under 40, under 50 scholarship players for that game last night. Also last night, without Caleb Williams, USC topped Louisville, 42-28 in the Holiday Bowl. West Virginia rolled past the Drake Mayless North Carolina Tar Heels in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, 30-10. Virginia Tech upset the Willie Fritzless Tulane Green Wave in the Military Bowl. Four more bowl games today. Starting this morning at 10 a.m. in Beantown, SMU will face Boston College at the Fenway Bowl. That's followed by Rutgers and Miami in the Finstripe Bowl in New York. NC State meets Kansas State in the Pop-Tart Bowl in Orlando. And then tonight, good one down in San Antonio. They always find Alamo Bowl, 12th-ranked Oklahoma facing 14th-ranked Arizona. If you missed it on Tuesday night, congratulations to Texas State and the Bobcats. Their fifth-year linebacker, Brian Holloway, returned two interceptions for touchdowns. Jamil Jeter ran for three scores to lead the Cats to a 45-21 win over the Rice Owls in the first responder bowl in Dallas. Their first ever win for that program in a bowl game. Pretty awesome stuff. NBA last night, Phoenix down the Rockets, 129-113. How about the game for Jared Allen, the former Longhorn? 24 points, 23 rebounds for the local product. Mavericks lost at home. Uh, yes, we had Mavericks lost at home to Cleveland. That was the big game for Jared Allen. Houston lost to Phoenix. Earlier in the day, yesterday, NBA governors officially approved the sale of controlling interest of the Mavericks from Mark Cuban to the families that run the Las Vegas Sands Casino Company, somewhere in the neighborhood of $3.5 billion. And in college hoops, fifth-ranked Texas women finished off their non-conference schedule, a perfect 13-0. They whipped Jackson State yesterday at Moody Center, 97-52. They'll open Big 12 Conference play this Saturday afternoon. Big one hosting 10th-ranked Baylor. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, uh, I know we got to get to uh, the behind the burn orange curtain so we can hear from Kaylin DeBoer, head coach of the Washington Huskies. Uh, one thing also uh, we haven't really talked a, a ton about, I want to get into it a little bit too, is the uh, the Texans. You talked about them, how they're still in playoff contention. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about them because if the Texans actually make the playoffs, man, and it would suck because I don't think that's enough to get D'Amico Ryan's the coach of the year. It will definitely get Nick Casario executive of the year. 
Um, and C.J. Stroud's been a lock for Rookie of the Year for a while now, actually. And but, I'm watching some video right here of C.J. Stroud back on the practice field, throwing the ball around, which means he's out of the concussion protocol. And did you hear that they say that there's a report that maybe he got hurt in a, uh, in a game prior to the, the one who actually was taken out of, that he has to, it may have had some issues prior to that? There's a report circling that the, this con- his concussion symptoms may have uh, – some of them may have occurred prior to him being – um, well, side, I did read the, 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 the I mean, Texas, put in protocol. I mean, he suffered a really severe concussion in the Jets game. I don't know if there was already something there. Yeah. But I mean, they, I mean, it was one of those two uh, was scary. I mean, he got from thrown back. Quinnen Williams, the big defensive tackle for the Jets, hit him, huge, and yeah. he you know went back and whiplashed the back of his head on the turf there in in uh, in New Jersey. And you could see him, and he was—he was immediately unconscious, and his legs were kind of shaking a little bit, like like uh, uh, really out cold. Yeah. And um, you know, he's—it's taken him two full weeks. And as you said, even leading into the Browns game, when they're hopefully get back, he still was sensitive to light uh, and bright light. So yeah, it was a pretty severe concussion. I don't know if he had symptoms leading up to that um, that made it made it made it a little worse. But at the same time, it was a pretty severe concussion he dealt with. But they've been careful with him. He's missed two games. They won one of those in Tennessee, and then lost to the Browns on Sunday. Uh, but it looks like he'll be back for the Tennessee game this Sunday. Yeah, they weren't going to beat – I mean, the Browns, not the way they're playing. The Browns are playing really good football right now. Crazy to say that with Joe Flacco. And that Browns defense, they might have the defensive player of the year and the head, and the coach of the year, actually. On well, I mean, that they're – I mean, the problem – Miles Garrett didn't have a sack, I don't think, in the Texans game. But they put so much focus on Miles Garrett that Adarius uh, – Gosh, who's the guy they brought in from the Packers? I mean, he he is just a good, oh uh, uh, Darius Smith. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Darius yeah, Smith. I think you're right. Oh about my that gosh, either. and they got Jadavian Clowney, uh, who kind of gets gets in there and rushes the passer on pass rushing downs. I mean, and their secondary is really good. That Browns team, they're, they're number one defense in the league. They'll be a problem for the AFC in the playoffs. Who it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whether playing the Dolphins or the Chiefs, uh, whoever it's going to be, the Browns will be a problem because Joe Flacco is playing really good football. Um, gosh, he's got over 1,000 yards the last three games, Rod. I mean, it's not like he's coming in there being a game manager. He is they're, – well, they're winning through the air with Man, Joe Flacco. What happens when they make the playoffs and make a run with Joe Flacco after paying Deshaun Watson a fully <laughs> guaranteed deal? I mean, Deshaun Watson is already dealing with a lot of, like, just – I, I think he he has a lot of insecurity as well he should about now not being well liked and not being a fan favorite when he was a fan favorite for most of his career now he's a villain and I think psychologically has had a devastating effect on him and his self esteem as a player what's this gonna do to his self esteem now that Joe Flacco came in there and in that same locker room Joe Fl- I don't even know if Deshaun Watson's hanging out in the locker room that much anymore. Well, you know what's funny? Funny you say that because the word out of Cleveland is not only is he playing great, he is so well-liked in oh, their locker room. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. Like, about, everybody loves a quarterback that's winning. Well, <laughs> even, even Kevin Stefanski, because Kevin Stefanski, the coach, is not much older than him. And, you know, he, Stefanski was quoted as saying, you know, I'm, I'm North Jersey. He's down. We're, 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 we're the same guy. Hey, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like Delaware or yeah, something. Yeah, he Joe went to the Blue Hen. Yeah. Oh, and, and they kind of look alike, Flacco and Stefanski, and it's like, like they're buddies now. I was like, it, it, it's it, like it's, a, it's like a Matt Stafford, 
uh, 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 Sean McVay friendship kind of yeah. deal. No, it's it's obviously working. My point is when it when it's done, and oh, I I don't we don't know how long it's going to last. Hell, they they're going to make a playoff run. I do think. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if they'll get that far. But when it's all said and done, and Joe Flacco is the one that was able to get you know show the team or achieve more with the team than Deshaun Watson was. I'm just saying what uh, what's going to be the, the the butterfly effect? What's going to be the impact of that? Second in the and third room? level effects. I don't know. I huh? can't. You can't answer that because that's so awkward when we say that joe is so well you gonna, gonna let joe go or are you gonna, are you gonna keep him around as a backup and then keep the influence of him there even more like what do you do well because that's the other part is you know deshaun watson's now hated by fans but he also isn't that well liked in his own locker room apparently exactly. <laughs> or by the team he saved the coach's job joe flacco just saved kevin stavowski's job arguably yeah and baker may because baker, may, baker mayfield's on his way to comeback player of the year so that would that, that wouldn't look good. That also don't look good either. No. That's what I'm saying. It just the oh man, the perception now I think is just going to be crushing for it. I'm, I'm not I'm not sympathizing with Deshaun Watson, y'all. I'm not trust, trust me. No. I'm no tears shed at all. I'm just discussing it and how interesting and intriguing that's going to be. And how as a coach, how do you? I mean, how do you play that in the locker room? Like, how do you decide to balance that? And, and he has the only guaranteed contract in all of football. Now, the the, the Deshaun Watson trade. Goes down as one of the worst trades ever. It's at this That's point. That's why Nick Casario is going to be in win executive year. <laughs> one of the best trades for Houston. Yeah. Flip side of that is there's Russell Wilson now who's going to be benched now, this week too. in favor of Jared Stidham. And there's a report that this is going to lead to his re- his release when the yeah. season is over. He's had one year with Sean Payton, and it's going to be over. Sean Payton, I would say I like Sean Payton, but he has been trying to sabotage this relationship for a while. Yes, he, he, and I think he just he wants to separate, emancipate himself from Russell Wilson, and I think he wants the management or the ownership now, new ownership, to back him in this move, even though it is going to severely handicap them, salary cap wise, with the dead money for at least a year, maybe two. Well, yes, uh, you got to pay him the money. You got to pay him, but he's going to be gone. He's going to uh, be gone. He's going to be gone, and that goes down. I mean, in addition to the two hundred and fifty, what, what, how much did they sign him for? A crazy amount oh, of money. Oh man! Um, but they, you know, Houston has kind of rebuilt themselves through that trade and the draft picks acquired. The Seattle Seahawks mm-hmm. traded Russell Wilson to the Broncos for a fit, for two first, two seconds. Fifth round and a fifth round pick, and quarterback Drew Locke and tight end Noah Fance and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. Uh, By the way, Drew Locke just led them to a big win <laughs> last hey, week. He's still playing. Get the and, bag, baby. Get the bag. Uh, Noah Fance, their starting tight end. And with the draft picks, they added their starting offensive tackle, Charles Cross. They added Devon Weatherspoon, the, the corner, who's going to you know, be an all rookie player this year. Uh, they, they got like seven starters. Yeah, by trading and and, and that they're and they didn't have to sign Russell Wilson to this huge contract. Broncos are on the hook for that deal. Yeah, no, that was a savvy move by Seattle, and it's is that we're seeing all these moves now. Kind of re that's that's how you rebuild on the fly. It is, and yet I think also it's kind of a subplot to all of this. We're talking about the quarterback decisions, and obviously uh, teams who are. Uh, it now, like the Browns, um, they are connected and they are tied to Deshaun Watson no matter what. Like they can't get out of that. Seems like Seattle deciding, no, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna let Russ go because uh, we're ready to move on. And people thought that would be disastrous for the franchise, and it wasn't. The Lamar Jackson storyline of teams having the option to trade for Lamar Jackson when he was available. Uh, on the uh, the franchise tag there when he was available yeah. to be traded for. Would have taken, it would have taken two first-round picks, and you would have to pay him a new contract, of course. 
Um, how is that not more of an indictment on some of these teams' decision-making uh, when it comes to the quarterback position? I agree position? with you. Because uh, you could have traded for him last offseason. And before. remember, the teams were openly going, going out of their way to tell reporters and members of the media, no, 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 we won't even inquire. We won't even research it. We won't even talk to him. We're not going to talk to him or his agent. We're not interested. Why isn't that malpractice? Yeah, leadership wise. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, look, it, look, the Jets would have been a team that had been in on it, but they went after Aaron Rodgers. Oh, not man. a good idea. By the way, uh, Jets fans, why didn't why didn't the Jets go after Joe Flacco after Joe, Aaron Rodgers got hurt? That's an indictment too. That, that is also. I do think the Washington Football Team would have been more interested if the sale wasn't pending and all that wasn't going down because right. DC is not far from Baltimore. That would have been a natural splash fit for the new owner, Josh yeah. Harris. I remember Atlanta saying, "No, nope, not interested." Yeah, we're good with Desmond Ritter. Like, really. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Like I say, I'm not saying that they would have been able to make it happen because you would have had to pay them the contract, two and first round them. picks, a lot of capital. I get that. But for teams to openly come out in such an ignorant way and say, we're not even interested. No, we're not even going to research it. That, to me, shows you where the NFL is in regards to quarterbacks. You see how stubborn they are about, oh, no, we can make this work. No, no. Well, when you have a proven commodity at quarterback, take it. Who's 26? Take it. Who might win the MVP this year? Even um, Joe Flacco showing, hey, I did it once. I can, hey, I can come out, I can get off the couch and do it again for a few games. I mean, I may do it for the whole season. But I can do it for a few games. If, if you've got a proven commodity at quarterback, take it because going with a Zach Wilson as your backup for the oh, uh, for the Jets not, was obviously a, a miscalculation. Exactly. Well, listen, I'll say this because uh, Cleveland plays tonight uh, with Joe Flacco. The, if they can throw the football on the Jets tonight, because the Jets aren't a good team, I mean, they're, no. they're they're not good. But at home, we've seen them beat the Eagles, beat the Texans. They, they play better at home. And their defense, you know, Sauce Gardner and that secondary are outstanding. So yes. I'll be interested yeah. to see Joe Flacco tonight on a short week against a very good pass defense. That'll be week 16 kickoff tonight. Uh, but to your point about Baltimore, yes, everybody that, that decided they didn't want to be interested in Lamar Jackson oh. because he's injury prone or whatever, he's going to win the MVP this year. The I mean, Commanders. The Falcons. Yeah, a lot of teams. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The, oh, man, I cannot believe that. Yeah, I forgot about the Panthers, too. Well, Panthers they had the first pick. They went up and got the first pick and t- took, uh, uh, took Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. None of, I mean, I like Bryce Young, but, hey, he ain't improving much. You know, Vegas. Vegas went after Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I thought that was right. a good, <laughs> thought thought that was that a better was a idea. Move. Come on, man. Yeah, uh, and what Lamar Jackson. What's going on? Lamar Jackson may get the last laugh because he might win the MVP and they might be in the Super Bowl. So twice he has been counted out. First of all, he got drafted, what, 32nd overall like that, the bottom of the first round? He's asking him to work as a receiver. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a receiver. He wins the unanimous MVP after that. And then teams uh, don't want to trade for him. Actually, don't even want to inquire about him. And he's going to win the MVP again after that potentially? Come on, man. Come on, when y'all going to stop counting out Lamar Jackson? Come on. Yes. Don't do it. Uh, listen. And for the Broncos, think about this. They're going to release, uh, you know, back to that quarterback debacle. If the Broncos release uh, uh, mm. Russell Wilson by March 17th, it will result in a $49.6 million cap hit. It's already, they're, already, they're already projected to be $18 million over the cap. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're going to be in cap hell for at least one season, maybe two. If they designate him as a post-June 1 release, they will owe Wilson his entire $35.4 million salary, but save for the future. Okay. So, they're, so they're trying to make him a post. And here's the problem. This is why they're not going to play him these next two weeks. Because as far as his contract goes, if he can't pass a physical, which means if he gets hurt, between in any of these games, then and he's they, guaranteed the money. Then he's guaranteed the money. Yeah, and they can't get out of the cap jail. Yeah, so they're they're yeah. they're taking they're going to not roll the dice and not let him get hurt. Yep. on the football field, 
and let uh, Jarrett Stidham finish the season for them because they're not going to make the playoffs. And, yes, they're going to take a hit financially to pay him to get rid of him, but it's not going to be the cap hit that it would if he were to get injured. That's interesting. Yeah, because I want to say one of the reports where they asked him to waive that though that injury clause right and he obviously refused yeah. <laughs> which means you're not playing sit down you're not there, playing. <laughs> yeah hey, you know what russ smart move man smart move well russ, some of the team will take a chance on russ that's the question who's going to take a chance on russ take a chance on me <laughs> somebody will uh, chance, well i will chance, say i gotta give chance, you if my buddy james is listening he's, he's the biggest seahawks fan i know and when they made this trade and i was like oh my gosh he was like thank you because I've watched every game. He's not. He's he's fading. He's not the same player he used to be. And James, you were right, my friend. You yeah. were right, my friend. No, and the Broncos right, but... are now dealing with the ramifications of that. Plus, he's a diva, and wanted his own office and one of Jordan rules somehow. Yeah. In Denver, is uh, he? A, is Russell Wilson gonna? So he's not a Hall of Famer now. He was on his path to being a Hall of Famer. Think about that, right? He was on a path to being a Hall of Famer. And is Joe Flacco put himself back in Hall of Fame conversation? Oh, baby? come on! That's a great point. <laughs> Right. What if he wins the Super Bowl? Come on, man. If he wins the Super Bowl, yeah, he's going to be back because he had two. Now, there's a long way between a now and then. Way, but but uh, it is fun conversation because now forever the Deshaun Watson versus oh. Russell Wilson trades will be debated as are they, where they rank among the worst trades of what all time. What about the Trey Lance one? Oh. Trey Lance one is just as bad. For San Francisco. Some of these have been horrible <laughs> trades. But obviously San Fran survived that one because of Brock Purdy. It just goes to the quarterback desperation of yeah, the league. It, it also goes to the point nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah, so everybody's just throwing blank at the wall and seeing if it sticks when it comes to and quarterback. if you get a hold of that quarterback, keep him. Keep him. Hey, we'll come back. Get him weapons, uh, We Kansas will pick City. this up with Behind the Burn Orange Curtain. We will hear from Kalen DeBoer in addition to Steve Sarkeesian getting you ready for Texas and Washington. We're four days and change out to the Sugar Bowl in the National Championship semifinal. We're coming back. Hook up with Ian Rodby. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Oh, man, it is uh, at the turn, meaning halfway through our Thursday conversation, two and a half hours in, two and a half to go of our five-hour morning conversation. If you're playing golf, you're nine holes in, right? You're at the turn, and you're turning and headed home. Uh, played with the outward nine. Now it's time to play the inward nine. And uh, the big story of golf, Rod, is that it's uh, the 28th of December, which means we've got three days to the – Deadline uh, for the PGA Tour and the Saudi partnership. Is it a mirage or is it something that's going to happen? The deadline looms. Six months ago, there was the shocking announcement of the partnership that was coming between the uh, Saudi Royal Fund and the PGA Tour, but um, still nothing official. And apparently there's a self-imposed deadline of New Year's, what, December 31st to find agreement and reach agreement on whatever this new structure is going to be. And so now, uh, as they say, deadlines make deals. Will yeah, do. the deadline make a deal? We'll keep you posted here and at the turn. Mm, yeah, um, it's, it's just weird how it's all played out. It sure is. It just doesn't make a lot of well, sense. Well, there was so much br- blowback from all. And the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan said, look, we just, this is what we had to do. We were, they're going to bleed us dry with legal you know, lawsuits and legal fees. And uh, they have an unlimited supply of money. We don't. And uh, – you know, they did their best, or at least they say they did their best in the PJ Tour to raise the, the purses and put the more marquee events and get the buy-in from the players. But at the same time, uh, you know, when they made this announcement, there was just 
from in this country. There was just so much blowback from the golf community, from the corporate community, and the the, the longtime PGA Tour partners saying, "Wait a second. So again, there's just it's one of those a lot of uh, you know a lot a lot of hurdles to climb to yeah. make this thing happen." And it's going to make 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 some you know a deal. So we'll keep an eye on it. Obviously, John Rahm's big decision earlier in the month um, really sent the, the thing into a tailspin. So uh, we'll see where this goes. We'll keep you posted here in at the turn. Also in at the turn, Rod, we're a couple days out uh, to the end of the December, which means Gray Rock, who has been our course of the month with uh, um, you know our tour of Central Texas golf courses, brought to you by Callahan's General Store. You can still go watch that great video with myself and Omar Uresti out of Gray Rock playing some holes and learning about their restoration and all they did to uh, to bring that course into perfect shape into 2024 uh, so go watch that and we'll have a new course coming up in january right new nice. course beautiful to start 2024 so we'll tell you about that in the new year and thank you to our friends at callahan's general store as we say get on over there and get you i always say this get get, get all the stuff you need for the for the hard freeze that's going to come get it you know you got some downtime now maybe you're off work you, you got some some extra time get over there you know it's coming get all yeah you know it's coming you know i mean it's coming Get, go over there, talk to the great people. They'll get you the faucet covers, the spigot drips, and everything you need for that first hard freeze for your plants and your pets and your pipes, and then you'll have it. And then you don't have to go on the mad dash when, uh-oh, it's going to freeze. It's going to be 20 degrees or 10 degrees tonight. And then you go out to, to Callahan's, and they're all out of everything. And then you're like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Then it's too late. That's right. Once the freeze hits, it's too late, y'all. It's always it's what we tell you, man. Callahan's has got you ready to get your lawn winterized, to be ready. You, know, just, you don't just ignore your lawn through the winter. If you want to keep it like a golf course, you got to keep working on it. They'll help you with that and get ready for those hard freezes that are coming into the new year. Callahan's General Store, and we'll keep you posted on the PGA Tour Saudi Partnership and the deadline. It's coming up in a couple of days. That's at the turn on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. The same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, uh, the coaches, both uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Kellen DeBoer, coaches of Texas and Washington are already in New Orleans with their team. I believe they got down on the 26th. Uh, both coaches spoke with the media for the introductory press conferences for the Sugar Bowl. We played Steve Sarkeesian's media availability earlier and spoke about that. This time, uh, this time let's go over to the other side of the matchup and let's hear from Washington's head coach, Kellen DeBoer. Well, I, I, I think the, the thing you see is that he's had continual growth from a year ago. Um, and that's not just uh, Quinn, but also just the rest of the team. Um, you know, and he, along with his skill group, uh, are in, in sync. You can see that uh, they're executing an extremely high level. Um, I think he just his command of the offense uh, has continued to improve uh, from a year ago. And so... You know, we're expecting a, a, a much different football team than we saw, which was a very good football team even a year ago. And so, um, you know, he's protected. Uh, he understands, I think, just from a, from a football sense, um, you know, it's another year into your career. And so been, been very impressed. He can deliver the ball, put it wherever he wants. And, uh, you know, we'll have, we know we'll have our hands full, um, you know, trying to slow uh, Quinn and the offense down. All right, uh, that was a clip of Kalen DeBoer, thanks to my man Ty, uh, of him talking about Quinn Ewers, actually. Very yeah. complimentary of Quinn Ewers, too. 
but he, you'll hear that piece of audio within the uh, the much longer piece of audio. It's about eight minutes of Kalen DeBoer meeting with the media, discussing not only Quinn Ewers but a lot of other things. But yeah, he he actually you can tell yeah. he likes Quinn Ewers though. Yeah, he does, and, yeah. and and knows this Texas offense will be more dynamic and better than what they saw last year in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, uh, you're better, Quinn Ewers, a better running game. A.D. Mitchell's now part of the passing game. Yep. And by the way, Rod, in New Orleans today, uh, 9.30 this morning, to, uh, the defensive coordinators will be available. So P.K., uh, and then, of course, P.K.'s former linebackers coach, now is the defensive coordinator with the Huskies, yeah. plus Longhorn players Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat. Uh, Jalen Ford, Jade Barron, Baron Sorrell will all be uh, talking. We never hear from PK. You know, yeah. Sark doesn't make his coordinators really available. Right, that this often. Is probably the first time since the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Like right before the season starts, Sark lets you know, lets his coordinators and coaches do an availability. That's it. That's it. Other than that, he's the one voice that you hear. I think that, and obviously that's deliberate. He we wants. I I think he wants to unburden them <laughs> um, having to do that, but also I believe he just wants one message out there answering all I the questions. I think he learned that from Saban because I think Saban does a very does similar thing. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Uh, all right, well, here is Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of the Washington Huskies, meeting with the media during the introductory uh, media availability for the Sugar Bowl. Good evening, and uh, hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Um, Today, uh, just uh, had a practice this morning and hopped on a flight here, and everything went pretty smooth. So guys are excited to finally get to this point. Uh, you know, you, you win uh, the Pac-12 championship, and um, it seems like forever down the road. Uh, you know, a lot of things before you get to this point, uh, including even academics, right? Guys taking finals and things like that. But uh, here we are, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to a great week being down here, uh, continue preparation for Texas, and uh, just uh, you know, lot of uh, lot of new adventures for our guys. You know, being uh, in this particular game in a national semifinal game, um, first uh, Pac-12, not just the first UW team, but first Pac-12 team to ever be in the Sugar Bowl. So, a um, lot of exciting things. Um, I know our fans are excited to get down here and get a taste of New Orleans, and uh, also. You know, be ready for the game. So, um, looking forward to an awesome week being here. We're going to go to some questions now. Please wait for a microphone if you could. Question Ted here in the side. If you can give him a... Coach, you've been in bowl games before, but this is the first time in a, a playoff game, at least at this level. Are you um, approaching this any different than you would a regular bowl trip? And if so, or if not, have you talked to maybe coaches who have been in the the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a bit different feel to it. I think even the the setup of the bowl itself, uh, you know, with you know the activities and so forth. I think there's, um, I think in our guys' mind, probably more of a business-like approach to it. Um, you know, uh, never really had had conversations or worries about uh, guys maybe not even thinking about playing. Um, they worked extremely hard uh, to get to this point, and this is what it was all about. Is is uh, having the chance to, to be in a cha national championship. And so um, I think there is a more of a business-like approach. Um, I know our staff has a lot of, uh, you know, peers throughout uh, college football, myself included, that um, just kind of get an idea of just the things to be ready for, uh, the, the way that the schedule might uh, be set up. But um, I think there's a lot of experience our staff has, and we've sorted through all that and had a good schedule in place up to this point and, and looking forward to a good week. Go 
Coach, what uh, what do you know from watching film on Quinn Ewers, and what, what do you have to do to try to contain him or stop him? Well, I I, I think the the thing you see is that he's had continual growth from a year ago, um, and that's not just uh, Quinn, but also just the rest of the team. Um, you know, and he, along with his skill group, uh, are in in sync. You can see that uh, they're executing an extremely high level. Um, I think he just his command of the offense uh, has continued to improve uh, from a year ago, and so you know we're expecting a, a, a much different football team than we saw, which was very good football team even a year ago. And so um, you know he's protected. Uh, he understands. I think just from a from a football sense, um, you know, it's another year into your career, and so been been very impressed. He can deliver the ball, put it wherever he wants. And, uh, you know, we'll have, we know we'll have our hands full, um, you know, trying to slow uh, Quinn and the offense down. If you want to prepare for the gas shortage. That's Cutting DeBoer talking uh, to the media about Texas and uh, what he thought was um, kind of the keys to the matchup there. Um, I know there's a little bit more, but it's, it's all right. We'll, uh, we'll get back to it a little bit later on because we, we can just discuss uh, kind of Kalen DeBoer. I don't know if he goes into too much detail about um, the matchup as well. Um, I thought something else that we haven't discussed enough is how Kalen DeBoer is going to try to, you know, uh, attack this Texas off Texas defense. Um, I think ultimately, and I heard Chris Peterson talk about this. I've referenced that interview a couple of times um, saying that this past this pass protection offensive line and maybe the best pass protection offensive line in the country. They've only allowed 11 sacks so far this season, and they've only allowed 46, I believe, tackles for loss the entire season. Um, e brought up the fact that Texas didn't have a lot of splash plays defensively, uh, didn't force a lot of negative plays last season against uh, uh, the uh, the uh, Washington offense and against um, the uh, Michael Penix and the offense. So I think this season, one of the big, at least this game, I should say, one of the big issues will be the matchup between the offensive line, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for Washington, and the defensive front for Texas, how they get pressure, how they try to either blitz or how they manufacture pressure against Michael Penix will probably end up being one of the biggest keys. Um, Chris Peterson said it's going to be the biggest key once Texas either stops the running game or neutralizes the running game. What will be Washington's answer? And it will probably be just to throw the football. I think they'll come out throwing the football anyway. Remember last year, their first play was a deep shot. It was a flea flicker. They threw the ball deep downfield. I think they'll come out throwing it. You want to take advantage of Derek Williams being out of that secondary um, early on in this contest, and if I am Washington, I might come out throwing and testing that secondary early to see if they're going to hold up in coverage. Yeah, we heard Sark earlier talking about uh, the same thing, right? We, we we've been testing our guys, trying to get up to game speed, right? Uh, we we we. I mean, if you're if you're Sark and you watch this team on film and you saw them a little bit last year, you know what they can do. You know, you need to use your speed and your receivers to prime your secondary, right? Yep, get them ready. Get them ready. Uh, sharpen the steel with your steel. You can simulate as close to anybody as what Washington has outside, and so you've really got to, you, you know, go good on good here, especially in the secondary, um, you know, and, and on the D-line, right? I mean, you've you got to get pressure on Michael Penix. This is a heck of a matchup, man. The more we drill into it and talk about it, last year's game was 27-20. 
Um, you feel you know you feel like this will be a close game that comes to the wire. I agree with you. I think you know I think Texas has the overall talent advantage and the physicality mm-hmm. advantage. But I'll tell you this about Washington, Rob. They're very experienced, man. Their their roster is full of super seniors and COVID holdovers and uh, guys who played a lot of college football. Even from the the coach Jimmy Lake administration there at Washington, that there's some Chris Peterson guys on this team. Yeah, think about yeah, that. They are. You're right about that. <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm with you. I think their experience, especially in the system, we talked about that. Michael Penix has been in this system for about four years, uh, from uh, Kalen DeBoer's time there at Indiana when he won the job initially. That's why he wanted this guy here. So they fit. They're really compatible. But the wide receiving core, they've been uh, together uh, in this system with Michael Penix with Kalen DeBoer since he got to Washington. So it's their second year in it there was some injuries early on but man this wide receiving core is going to be a problem uh for texas uh, across the board that's just the biggest uh, advantage for them their biggest strength is their passing game it's because of the synchronicity that exists between the wide receivers and between the quarterback and that that sophisticated passing game romo Dunze is the guy that texas has to make sure that they roll coverage or they bracket or they double team that guy he's got uh, 62 10-plus yard receptions are plays from scrimmage. Uh, just to give Jeez. you a little bit of uh, some perspective on that, Xavier Worthy is at 41. And Xavier Worthy is one of the most explosive receivers in the country. But this guy's the real deal. Um, I saw Daniel Jeremiah said that of all the receivers in this draft, he's his favorite. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said his favorite receiver is Romo Dunze. And I know why. He's got 17 contested catches. That's tied for the most in the FBS uh, this season, which means those are 50-50 balls. You throw it up if you're in man-to-man coverage, he believes that his guy's going to win. That also works against Penix because Penix has six interceptions on the season when throwing to Romo Dunze. He's only got nine picks on the season, six of those. Oh, and he's targeting uh, Romo Dunzi. So we really trust that guy. If he's in man-to-man coverage, he's going to throw it up to him. And why not? He's caught more than 70% of his contested targets this season. 70%. So there are times where he would just give his guy a chance. It's not even a great throw and not accurate. He just gives his guy a chance, and Romo Dunze does the rest. That's what Texas watch. He's a real day. He's 6'3", 215. Very likely going to be a first-round wide receiver taken uh, in the upcoming draft. He's got... If you go look at it, he is uh, second in 20-plus yard plays from scrimmage. Uh, he's tied for fifth in 30-plus yard plays from scrimmage. Uh, he is an explosive wide receiver. Jalen Polk is tied for sixth um, with, I think he's got 11 of those uh, uh, like 30-plus uh, yard plays from scrimmage. These guys are explosive vertical threats. Yeah, big plays. Uh, and they don't turn it over, and they don't get sacked. I mean, as you said, only no. 30, only uh, – What's the number? 18 sacks the last two years? 18 in the last two years, man. And uh, Michael Penix, as I mentioned, has only been sacked 31 times in his whole career. That's crazy. So they don't uh, give up negative plays very often, and none to Texas last year, and then they can go explosive down the field. That's what the Longhorns will deal with in this game. We know the Longhorns can be very explosive as well, and we're playing their most explosive football uh, at the end of the season with Greenewers in this offense. Could be a shootout on Monday night. Uh, for sure. All right, coming up, uh, we'll get to some off the record, including Mark Cuban. It's official now. The uh, the Sands Casino family now owns the the Dallas Mavericks. And is Mark Cuban ahead of the curve on casino gambling in Texas, Rod? I want to ask you this question. There's a lot of people asking this question now, and I'll give you a piece of evidence that may indicate that maybe Cuban kind of – you know he's a smart guy. He knows where he's going with things. But uh, there there could be some more evidence of that coming up. Also, the other off-the-record topic, stories maybe you've missed but you need to know about because they'll be talked about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. There we go. We got it. 
DD Mega Doo Doo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get. They bring the income. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Off the record time and uh, some stories you need to hear about that uh, Rod and I dig up and find for you because, uh, you know, kind of you know, off, the, off the grid a little bit. A little off the celebrating grid. Christmas, celebrating the holiday season. All right, so officially yesterday the NBA voted uh, to approve the sale of uh, the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Adelson and the, family, and the Patrick Dumont family. Okay? Uh, if you're a Mavericks fan or an NBA fan, here's the deal. Uh, this is one of the richest women in the world, the fifth richest woman in the world. Oh, yeah. So Sheldon Adelson, uh, her husband, uh, the late Sheldon Adelson, he's a casino tycoon who built the Venetian, the Palazzo in Las Vegas, several of the casino resorts in Singapore wow. and around the world. Okay. And as of uh, this year, Sheldon Adelson's widow, Miriam, is uh, – the 35th richest person on the planet and the fifth richest woman in the world, estimated worth of $32.3 billion. 35th richest person in the world? Yeah. Fifth richest woman. Yeah. I like so it. She's got money. Damn and right. she now, okay, along with the me. Dumont family, owned the Mavericks. And now, but apparently, according to Mark Cuban, uh, even though he doesn't have the, the official title through this agreement, he will stay in control of the Mavericks. Basketball side. Basketball okay. ops. All right. The thing he told the media yesterday, Rod, is that uh, we'll be able to pay the luxury tax moving forward because we have such rich owners now. We don't have to worry about the luxury tax. And it basically says, I want to win, and they want to win. So now, because we, we've seen what Matt Ishbia has done in Phoenix, mm-hmm. the billionaire. Oh, yeah. And he's not afraid of the luxury tax, no. and they went and got Kevin Durant. Golden State Warriors did that for a while. Yes. They just paid the luxury tax. And so that's part of it. And, yeah. and, and you know, when asked about, you know, what about the fact that, you know, you're – you're still in control, but you're not the owner anymore. He said, uh, they're not basketball people. They're not basketball people, mm-hmm. but they're casino people. Okay. Now, I will point this out, Rod. Las Vegas-based casino company has bought 100-plus acres of land near the Cowboys' old stadium, the old Texas stadium in Irving. And in it, the, according to Dallas, Texas TV, it confirms that a resort is being planned. Okay. So, so the same family has now bought 100-plus acres of land near the old Cowboys Stadium. Not the current one, but the old one with the hole in the roof. And Mark, Mark Cuban also, um, so, so it says they uh, did it. For now, it appears, though, Adelson and Dumont won't do so as far as bringing someone else in, not Mark Cuban. That was part of the logic behind the partnership. The Mavericks want to build a new arena and casino district. And Casino District, as we state here this morning, sp- gambling is illegal in Texas. Casinos yes, are illegal in Texas. Yeah. Unless you're on a reservation. Yes. Does Mark Cuban know something that's trending that we don't know? Mm. Is this a get Remember, you and I both watched the show Billions on Showtime, right? Where oh, yeah. Where the lead characters, I mean, it was the original Axe tried to buy a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Brian, uh, a lot of insider trading going on. Like, there's a lot of things behind the scenes they know that we don't know. Yeah, a lot of inside information being exchanged. So, I remember the, the, the when Michael, Manning, Michael Prince, right? Yeah. He, he wanted to get, bring the Olympics to New York and things like that. It's kind of when Peyton Manning bought all those Papa John's franchises, bought the Papa John's yes. right on the verge of the Colorado legalizing marijuana, yes. recreational marijuana. Like, he knew. He was like, oh, it's all, these, all these potheads, they're going to want something to eat. So Papa John's. Papa John's. And then he sold them all right after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
He knew. He knew. So Cuban gets in bed with the Adelsons. Mm-hmm. Now they've bought 100 acres of land out in Irving. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect for a resort and casino. Hey. Just, you know, that, you just know. said the billionaires thought, know before we know. We always thought Texas would be one of the last states to legalize recreational marijuana and legalize gambling. But at this point, there have been so many other conservative states that have done it. I could see Texas doing it just because of the cash flow. Because the cash flow from the that kind of the tax dollars, yeah, the commerce that you create from uh, well, legalizing many, marijuana or legalizing, you know, well, how gambling? many Longhorn fans are going to stop in Lake Charles, right over the border, of Louisiana, do some gambling on their way to New Orleans? Yeah, it's nothing. How much commerce <laughs> are you losing? How yes. much money are you actually losing? Well, because if you go Revenue. up, if you go up uh, a little, my daughter goes to North Texas in Denton. All you got to do is go a little bit north across the border, and you are in. There's the Windstar World mm-hmm. Resort where you can do some gambling, right? Yeah. Uh, Lake Charles, right across the border in Louisiana. Same thing. Um, just pointing out, you know, Mark Cuban it's has now sold one. his team. They know. He wants to win, the and bill- now they're buying land. The billionaires know. You see the latest conspiracy theories that people believe because they, they confirmed that Mark Zuckerberg was building, like, a a huge, like, I don't know, it was a bomb shelter or something like that. It's, yeah. it's considered huge. They got pictures of it. And now the rumor is, and I'm sure my man Ty is on this because he's on the, the grassy knoll all the time, is that all the billionaires are building bomb shelters because they know something going down. Yeah. Have you heard this conspiracy theory, Ty? Have you been on this one? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I, everybody's got their hideaway hole, right? Everybody's Anybody, got their If you got not, the money. I, if you got the money, that's what I'm saying. Also, I personally do not either. <laughs> not everybody. No, I'm, I'm, headed, I'm headed to the Denver airport if the apocalypse ever happens. Denver airport. Oh, is that what you think? That's where the, uh, the, the shelter is, the bunker? That's where they're hiding all the real paintings, famous paintings and stuff, all the Nazi treasure. Uh, uh, okay. The giant tunnels are there. Yeah, no. You should, well, there's some good YouTube videos on the Denver airport if you haven't, if you haven't researched <laughs> he it. Said, uh, said he said, fellas, you know I work with the Texas legislators from Patrick. Uh, he says, near-term legalized gambling, sports casinos or otherwise isn't going anywhere with Dan Patrick as our lieutenant governor. Cuban's looking go. at five to seven years out. There you go. Post Dan Patrick. So, uh, well, you know, so. but five to seven, they play the long game, these billionaires. Well, that's why they're billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're. Now you got to buy their property early. Don't be if you if you're waiting like two years before it all happens. That's too late to buy the yeah, property. Well, now been, you buy it. We've been told that before. Dan Patrick is not moving off that. But same time, it's like man, you're missing out on a lot of revenue that can be generated. And a lot of billionaires revenue. that are pushing it because they're, you know down in Houston the Fertitta family is pushing it. They're all ready to go as soon as it's legal. Just tax it, man. Just tax the hell out of it. That's well, what they do with marijuana. Well, you know, Bob, they just tax the hell out of it. You know, Bobby Epstein. Pay and the for team. schools. Pay for you know Trust infrastructure. Me. You know, people. You know, Bobby Epstein and the team out of Coda, Circuit of the Americas. They're ready to go. Yeah, everybody's ready to go on this thing. Jerry Jones is ready to go. Jerry Jones has been ready. Now the Sands family is bought in Texas, and they own an NBA team. Yeah, and the billion, the billionaires got a lot of influence now. They got to start buying some uh, some influence on. They already own some on Capitol Hill, but I'm talking about sports betting influence on Capitol Hill, uh, or at least here in the local government. I should say. Got to get through the lieutenant governor, who used to be the when I was growing up and you were growing up in Houston, right? He was the sportscaster. And it's crazy that Dan Patrick was also <laughs> into sports broadcasting. Like oh, he bought Dan radio Patrick. stations. Yeah, he bought radio stations. Yeah, well. And he got to start talking about what he believes, and now he's the lieutenant governor. Yeah. See, he used to be into capitalism, and now he's like just he's into cronyism. Cronyism. <laughs> well, keep an eye on that. There's a reason the the Sands family is now entrenched in Texas. 
Straight cash, homie. That's why. I want to get your off the records coming back, Rod. We'll pick those up. Uh, we went a little long through the whole segment. We'll also pick good. up the uh, the uh, who, who said that will actually happen next hour, Rod. We'll also get who another Rod's rant that? coming up. We're talking Texas and Washington. You're counting down the days now. It's four days and change out to Texas and Washington. Sugar Bowl coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. <laughs>